For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Gordon MacDonald was a, a well-known up-and-coming pastor in the early 1980s who, uh, who then went on to become um, the, the, the president of, of World Vision and then the president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship uh, and publishing and, and was really becoming um, quite an influential figure in the, uh, the North American church. Um, in 1986, uh, it was discovered that McDonald had been having uh, an affair on his wife and it became a public thing. And actually it made the AP news. That's how big of a deal this was. Um, and, uh, and McDonald lost his positions and was really humbled. But he followed this process uh, of church discipline under the leadership of his local church, uh, where he, he removed himself from the public spotlight for two years and, and really uh, set about the process of healing his marriage, healing his life of repentance, uh, of growth, uh, of uh, really, really journeying with Jesus in this brokenness. Um, eventually, he later um, came again into to leadership in a church, and eventually, he uh, he became the chancellor of Denver Seminary, seminary where he, where he is now. Um, and, and it's been said that that uh, even though he was a solid preacher before, that now his preaching uh, is even more deep and sensitive and compassionate than than it was before his failing. Um, he he certainly has the authority. It's been said. Um, to address hurting people. He wrote about uh, his suffering, about, I mean, suffering by his own mistakes, but he wrote about the, the process of, of healing and restoration in books. Um, and, and for me, Gordon MacDonald, in the place that he's in now as, uh, as, as uh, the, the chancellor of a seminary, um, having been restored from this failing and really being a far deeper and, and better person coming out of it, uh, is a reminder for me that God is not afraid of our mistakes. God is not afraid of our failures, but rather that he wants to use those in our lives um, to, to, to do a real work in deepening who we are, to bring us healing, to bring us growth, that our, our failings, our brokenness don't scare God, that it, he doesn't run away. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to see here, I think, uh, as, we, as we begin the Sermon on the Mount here in the, what is known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a list of, of blessings. Um, so we're going to pick up the text in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, these are uh, a fairly well-known uh, verses. Uh, we're going to go through the first half of the Beatitudes today, and we'll finish the second half tomorrow. Um, so 5.1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um one of the, the, the more influential uh, authors in, in my life has been Martin Lloyd-Jones, who wrote an amazing book on the Beatitudes and on the Sermon on the Mount. And so much of what I'm going to say is indebted to him. Uh, so credit there for, right from the beginning. Um, but Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this, this first verse, that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the key. It's the doorway into everything else in the entire Sermon on the Mount. This is the most important piece for us that we enter in here. Uh, and, and really what he's saying is, um, blessed are you when you realize that you are poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you realize that you have nothing to offer God, right? And, and that's the contrast we're going to see with the Pharisees, who believe that God was lucky to have them on the team. They were haughty. They were mighty. They, they, they considered themselves righteous, and because of which, there was really nothing that Jesus could teach them. They didn't feel like they needed anything else. They had it all figured out. 
themselves. And, and here we see Jesus say right from the beginning, you are blessed when you realize that you are poor and wretched in yourself, that you have nothing to offer God, that you are condemned and hopeless apart from the work of Jesus in your life. When there's that moment uh, of spiritual poverty and brokenness, which is realized, he says, that's when you're blessed. That's when yours is the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to see um, that this text, it, it builds on itself. So think of, it's like we're climbing a mountain and each step builds on itself. And the very foundational piece is you enter in acknowledging your poverty of spirit. And then there's this irony in the second half of these Beatitudes. There's this irony that when you are poor in spirit, then yours is the kingdom. You'd expect the kingdom to those who are wealthy, rich, and powerful. The kingdom comes to those who are poor in spirit, realizing their need. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, there is something to, in those seasons of mourning in our life, that God is, is real. Um, I really I really appreciate, though, that the, the way that Martin Lloyd-Jones looks, and others have looked at the Beatitudes, is that it's not just mourning like uh, you've lost someone you loved, but there's going to be a progression where blessed are you when you mourn for the fact that you're poor in spirit. So when you realize your brokenness and your, your spiritual bankruptcy and poverty, and then you are broken and you mourn that fact, and not, not just staying in this like, yeah, I guess I suck. Um, but when you actually when you actually come to a place of being broken and allowing that to impact your emotions uh, and being broken about your sinfulness and the way that God views that, and, and when we are broken and when we do begin to mourn that fact, then God connects, then we are comforted. Then there's this relational connection where God begins to work in our lives. The next step from mourning is verse 5. And so poor in spirit, mourning that fact. Then blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We've talked about this word before. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It, it's power under control. And it, uh, for me, the image is, is someone who is willing to let others pass them by. When you don't have to grab hold of that which you think you're due. I need everything I can get. Uh, everything I can attain in this moment, I have to get my hands on. It's the opposite of that attitude of, of hey, I, I, know that, I know that I could do that, but I don't have to. I can let someone else take care of that. I can let someone else charge ahead. I can let someone else get the credit or the glory. It's, it's this, this meekness where power is under control. We surrender opportunities. And um, the way that, that we see this progression is, again, you, you realize how poor you are in spirit. You, 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 you're broken over that fact and God comforts you. And then, and then there's this meekness of what else do I need? Um, I, I can slow down. I can have peace um, because God has taken care of all these details in my life. And because of the love of God, who, who am I to deserve what God has done? Therefore, because I know those things, I can, I can be meek and allow others to charge ahead. I don't have to be at the top of the pile. And, and, and the meek often get overlooked, right? Um, maybe you know people. I know some people who meekness is maybe the, the prime way to characterize them. They just, they're unassuming. Uh, they don't need the spotlight, um, they, they just genuinely love other people and they're okay being in the background. Um, but those, yeah, those people often get overlooked. But here it says the irony is that they shall inherit the kingdom. They are the ones who God is noticing and will give them the kingdom. This progression. Uh, into finally here uh, for this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, 
Uh, and this is the pinnacle of the mountain on the Beatitudes. Um, it's kind of a hinge, and we're going to see the backside of this tomorrow. But um, it, the key piece of the Beatitudes is blessed are you when you hunger and thirst, not for satisfaction and not for blessedness, um, which is contrary, I think, to, to how it's viewed culturally. But blessed are you when you, you hunger, when, when you're, you're desperately thirsty for righteousness. Because when we're desperate. Desperate for those things, then we will experience the satisfaction uh, as a result, as a byproduct. And, and what we see in the first half of the, the Beatitudes is, is Jesus calling us to character before content. The need for a Christian to be inherently different than the world, because it's in those differences, as if we can live these things out, if we can follow this progression of, of poverty, acknowledging that poverty of spirit, uh, of being broken and mourning it, uh, being meek, and then pursuing and hungering, chasing after righteousness, then there's going to be something different in the outflow of our lives that people will notice. And this is the process that, that, that growth comes out of. Um, this is the internal piece. Um, Lloyd-Jones, uh, this is a quote that he wrote that, that I've written down and, and I think is I think it's just pretty insightful. Uh, where he says, If anyone feels anything in the presence of God, save an utter poverty of spirit, it ultimately means that you have never faced him. Um, well, yes, God is love. Uh, God is grace. And in the cross we see a glimpse of the extent of that. When we truly encounter God like Isaiah does, he falls on his face and he says, Woe is me. I, I am a, a man of unclean lips and I come from a people in a culture of, of, of brokenness. Um, that, that is the place where we actually begin to grow in our faith, to begin to understand God and to begin to, to truly experience um, his transforming work in our life. Um, I think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was despised. He was seen as a traitor to his own people. He was a thief. Um, he was a wealthy outcast. Um, but there was brokenness in his life. There was something that was missing. He was desperate. And so sure enough, Jesus is coming through the city and he climbs up in a tree because he's a short guy and can't see over the crowd. And, and certainly no one is going to make way for him. He's probably tried to get through the crowd and everyone's just elbowing him out. No one likes him. So he climbs a tree, but Jesus sees him. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. He's, he's, he's shocked, but God notices him. God sees him, and, and when he sits down with Jesus, there isn't this self-righteousness that those Pharisees have, but he's absolutely broken that God would notice him, and he realizes just the despair of, of what he's done in his life compared to the holiness of Jesus, and if the fact that God is willing to pay attention to him, then, then it's, it's kind of instantly enough for him to make some radical changes he realizes how poor he is in spirit and he's broken. He's broken over that, 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 that discrepancy of, of who he's become, who he is. He, he realizes he isn't entitled to anything that he owns. And there's this meekness in him that you see of, yes, I've got all of these things, but I realize that they're ill-gotten. I'm not owed any of these things. And then he vows to make it right, painfully, repaying back, you know, multiple fold what he took from other people. And so we see him hungering and thirsting for righteousness at great personal cost, but it's worth it to him because he's going through this process. 
I think Zacchaeus is a great example of, of the Beatitudes playing themselves out in, in the character here in the Bible, in the Bible. So, um, the first part of the, the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I'll let you just sort of reflect on that, that sort of mountain and, and where you are. And if you, if you, I think we walk it regularly. It's a cycle that, that we walk and we need to come into it time and time again where God will bring us into seasons where we realize just how poor we are in spirit. And just when we think we've kind of like, okay, I've climbed a mountain and, and I'm much better with God than I was a few years ago. Then he'll bring something else to our minds and we realize, oh, right, I still have got a long way to go. Um, so, uh, some stuff to reflect on. Again, broken or, or poverty in spirit, um, being broken and mourning over it, uh, realizing that, that we, God doesn't owe us anything in that meekness, and then hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Let's pray. Um, Father, uh, thank you that you love us enough to walk through this journey with us. Help us to see the poverty that we have and, and who we are alone apart from you, God. That you don't owe us anything, that we are sinful people, but yet you love us. You wash us, you clean us, and you call us into righteousness and holiness. So help us to walk this journey, uh, following you, so that others might see the difference you make in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, hope you have a good week. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.